Good morning, Tuolumne Community Baptist Church and all our podcast listeners out there. So glad that you tune in. I hope that you continue to tune in to our our podcast broadcast, and and it's our Sunday morning service, and I hope that you're enjoying it. We've been going a verse-by-verse study through 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and now we're almost through the second book of Corinthians. We're at 2nd Corinthians 11. I entitled this, actually it's more Paul's words, Foolish Boasting. The Apostle Paul is really in a strange place. You know, if we allow our emotions to lead us, it can lead us to destruction, jealousy, anger, wrath, all emotions. But yet his emotion is driving him for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want us to see that and hear that. I would have to call it more righteous boasting. The Apostle Paul is literally fighting for his church in Corinth and for our church here today, for all churches, the ones who profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So I want you to really pay attention to his emotion in this and how he's truly feeling, how far he's willing to go to make sure that the gospel is protected because that's what he's doing. He's fighting a fight and he's fighting it for us. And we need to be fighting it for the church today. It's a very interesting chapter. Um, Some people might say, well, the Apostle Paul's in the flesh here. Well, maybe so, but I would call it righteous flesh. That he's doing what he has to do to preserve the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. We'll get started here in just a minute. Heavenly Father, as we prepare, Father, help us to prepare our hearts to hear this word. Father, all week, this chapter has impacted me. Father, I pray that you will allow the Apostle Paul's spirit to come through this word. There were a lot of emotions here. A lot of feelings. Father, we want to understand them clearly. Help us to do that today. Help us to really see and understand your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, team. That was... Some really good worship. So we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I entitled it Foolish Boasting. Actually, Paul calls it 
foolish boasting. And honestly, like I was praying there a second ago, this chapter has impacted me all week. I keep going back and reading it again. I'm trying to fully understand what he was going through, what he was feeling. To write the words that he was writing in this chapter. And I really believe that we need to understand it. In this chapter, the apostle goes on with his discourse with opposition to the false prophets. Okay, I did it again. Tyler, in that black bag, there in the envelope on the outside is my glasses. I do it. Sorry, podcast people. I don't mean to call you podcast people like your little pods. But, you know, I always do something to uh, throw myself off. I knew that I brought glasses, and I just forgot to thank you, sir. We got to talk about these false apostles. They, were, they had infiltrated the church. They could see something was really going on here with the church. There was money to be made. There was reputation to be had. Not far different than what we see today. I am never going to be so bold to put down any ministry. But there's a real trend if all you do is go on YouTube and wait, you know, it's all tight jeans and spiky hair. Those are the guys. And they're packing. And I'm not saying they're not preaching God's word. But we need to take everything that they say and apply it to God's word. These guys were very industrious to lessen his interest and reputation among the Corinthians and had prevailed much through their insinuations. And I just think of that word insinuation. Just think of it for a minute. In sin. Wow. Isn't that what an insinuation is? You're, you're spreading something that you don't know. You just now stepped in sin, and it's all over your foot, and it stinks. Insinuation. That's what they were doing. So the Apostle Paul, first he apologizes for what he is about to do, bragging on himself, and gives reason for why he would do such a thing. He mentions in his own necessary vindication his equality with the other apostles, the other apostles, these false accusers who like to think of themselves as apostles. In this discourse of writing, he makes it clear that he brought the gospel to the Corinthians freely without wages, without cost. He was determined not to be a burden on any church. He gives a large account of his qualifications and labors and sufferings in which he exceeded all of these. These false apostles could not even touch. I've made the statement before. The Apostle Paul is the king of sarcasm. But please hear it today, realizing the pain he is having to conduct himself the way he is going to conduct himself in this scripture. You know, I've had to ask myself, I've read it over, I keep going back and reading it again, and and I'm thinking, was he in sin? 
Was he missing it? I mean, he, he, he is, the sarcasm's heavy, it's sharp. But no, I don't think he was at all. I think he was absolutely on the money. And yet, I think his emotions, he was, he's just like you and me. We all have emotions, right? You take the E off emotion, what do you got? Motion, which means it's moving you somewhere. It's moving you somewhere. Most of the time when I'm counseling some of my younger people that, that come to me for counseling and they're, they're so upset, and I'll, I'll, the first thing I'll try to do is get them to calm down and get the emotion level to come down because that emotion is moving you. It's moving you in a direction that you don't want to go. So let's get started with 2 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Oh, that you should bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. He's setting them up for what he's about to say. A little folly. But he is very serious. Verse 2, he says, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to the one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Do you understand what he just said? Some of you may not. So let me kind of explain that. He's the one that brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. They accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So he betrothed them to be the bridegroom of Christ. Because that's what we are. We're the bride of Christ. And he brought Christianity to them. And they, they accepted it and they accepted him in their heart. And now we're just waiting to present you as the virgin to Christ. Verse 3 says, But I fear, least somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted with the simplicity that is in Christ. Okay, there's some clues here what's going on. These false apostles that were coming into the church, he doesn't really give us any line of what they're really doing or saying, but there's some hints. The simplicity of Jesus Christ. Do you realize how simple your salvation truly is? It's the most simple thing that you could ever do in your entire life, but it's going to cost you everything that you have. Because we become like him. We give up the self-desires, the self-pleasures, the things that we so love to do. We, we tend to, we, we be, we're trying to become more like him. That's what we do. That's why we come to learn and to grow. The simplicity of Christ. But obviously there were some people, some teachers that had come in. These guys were probably slick and they dressed nice and they had big degrees. And, you know, they were smart and well-educated. And they were coming in saying, well, you know, you probably have to sacrifice for that sin. And, and they were just bringing, I don't know what they were bringing into the church, but they were bringing things in that were not. They were bringing another Christ, another Jesus. They weren't preaching on the one that Paul brought. Verse 4, for if he who come preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you received a different spirit which you have not received, or a dis different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. You want a scripture to put on your refrigerator? You may well put up with it. Do you realize how profound what he's saying 
People can come into the church and they can start bringing things that are not gospel. They're not, the, they're not Jesus Christ. And we just kind of go, well, you know, it's okay. We love them. Yeah, I seen those two guys holding hands and they were kissing in the lobby. But hey, we love them and we do. But when I preach the true love of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're either going to get mad or they're going to repent. One or the other. We don't just put up with it. When you put up with something that creeps its way into the church, and this is why, you know, I get upset at our, our S or California CPA or Southern Baptist Association overall because they've allowed things to come in that are not Christ-like. And it's frustrating. And if we don't do anything about it, if we just accept it or if we just put up with it, what is that saying? It's saying we accept it. It makes us part of it because we just put up with it. You know, it's okay. That's what's wrong with America today is we just put up with it. We as Christians back in the 60s, if we would have stood up and said, no, you're not going to take prayer out of the school. We'd be living in a different America today. But we just put up with it. Sinful things come into our, our culture. It's, it's whatever you're watching on TV, whatever you're listening to on the radio, and we just begin to put up with it. Even the commercials we watch on TV, it shows you know, all you know, kinds of stuff going on in the commercials, to, to, and it desensitizes you. Well, it's okay. It's just love. They love each other. It's okay. That's okay if they want to go to hell and you don't care. That's what we say is that we don't care. We're good right here. We're all going to heaven. Praise God. We'll all be there together. Amen. Yeah. Raw, raw, raw. Let the rest of the world go to hell. There's got to be something wrong with our faith, with our religion. You may well put up with it. I could, treat, I could stay right there the rest of the day. I said, do you realize it is just as bad as maybe even worse to put up with what you know in your heart is not the gospel, and yet you allow it to remain in your churches? For I consider, verse 5, for I consider that I am not at all inferior to most of these eminent apostles. When I first read that, I thought he was referring to the 12. Matthew, John, Peter, he wasn't referring to those guys at all. I had, when I went back and read it, I realized he wasn't referring to those guys at all. He was referring to the false apostles, the ones who are coming into the church, trying to take the church over, trying to turn the church away from the simplicity of Christ and probably bring some of the law back into it. Boy, is this ever prevalent for our church today. Verse 6. He goes on to say, even though I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge. But we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Wow. First, the Apostle Paul apologizes for raising himself up and then puts himself down lower than these apostles. I'm thinking that probably these guys were coming out of some really heavy training. And I think probably because, you know, what we don't realize is Paul's, it's, it's noted throughout historical history that Paul wasn't a great speaker. 
He was a great writer. That's why he's got two-thirds of the New Testament that he's wrote. But his speaking abilities weren't as shiny or polished as some of these guys who have really spit-shined it and really know how to use the right words at the right time and have really slicked the thing down. Because we know that the Apostle Paul was trained under Gamaliel. Do you remember that? Back in Acts, when we talk about the Apostle Paul's training, Gamaliel was, was the doctor of, of I got it wrote down here. I lost it somewhere. He was mentored by him. He was a doctor of Jewish law. The book of Acts speaks of Gamaliel as a man who held a great esteem by all the Jews and as a Jewish law teacher of Paul. We see that in Acts 22, verse 3. He wasn't referring to the 12. He was referring to these false apostles that were coming in and, and trying to distract the church to another, another Jesus. Well, how can you say another Jesus? Well, we're in Greece, we're in Corinth, which is really close to Athens, and it's where all these different cultures and, and belief systems, they all kind of intersect right there in this area. And so they were, had people that were going to the temples of these other gods, and then they would come over to the Christian church. And they would bring their traits and their things into the church. He says in verse 7, I did not commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you for free of charge. It's obvious that these guys weren't doing that. They were in it for the money. They were in it for the money. Yes, the church pays me to do here and to be your pastor. And praise God, it helps me with my retirement. But I do not do it for the money. Go ahead, cut me off. I'll still be here. I might be a little more frustrated. And I might get a little skinnier. But I'll still be here. It's not about the money. It was never about the money for the Apostle Paul. And he goes on to say, I robbed other churches, taking wages from them to minister to you. Can you hear the sarcasm? We know that he never robbed anybody, but I can feel his pain. I believe that the Apostle Paul is walking on a thin line here. As I read through this many times this last week, I ask myself, is he operating in the flesh? Feelings and emotions are powerful weapons of warfare, and that can destroy you. But I see Paul as using these weapons, these emotions, and his motivation as motivation to save the work that he started in spreading the gospel to this church and to our church. And I'm telling you guys, emotions are a, definitely a tool of warfare. And God's given us emotions. And once those emotions, if we allow them to get out of control, we begin to... to to lose control because of our emotions. We have to learn how to get our emotions in check, to stop, to breathe, to think before we speak. Because are, are we justified? Possibly. Possibly we're justified in our emotions. But we still have to check them and bring them into account of Jesus Christ in our lives. And you know, this kind of brings up something that I can remember as a much younger Christian. 
that the, the wife that I was married to at the time that went home to be with the Lord, she had a collection of, of um, not to want to offend any Indian heritage, but she had a collection of dream catchers. We had them in the house. And we were having some major problems in our lives. And someone asked me, is there anything in your house? Is there anything that, that, that could represent something in the spiritual realm that somebody else could have prayed over and, and gave them to you and brought them into your house? And I thought, well, yeah, kind of. And we got rid of the dream catchers and the symptoms went away. It's because you brought it in. And anytime you bring in statues or idols, you've got to be very careful. You see something really cute over at the flea market. It's so cool looking. You know, be careful with what you're bringing into your home. There is spiritual warfare going on. If you're committed to Jesus Christ, then the only thing that you need to be bringing into your house is the living word of God. Verse 9, he says, And when I presented you with you, and in need, I was a burden to no one. For what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you, and so I keep myself. He didn't want to ever be a burden. And the brothers from Macedonia, that was probably Timothy. That was probably Titus. That was probably Luke. His brothers that were kind of with him in ministry, that were following him, they, they, would, they would collect money and bring it to make sure he had all that he needed. Plus, the Apostle Paul worked much of his ministry. He says in verse 10, As the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia. You could say in the regions of Greece. Remember, Achaia is the country and Corinthia is the city. Why? He said, why? Because I do not love you? Can you hear the sarcasm in that? Why? Because I do not love you. I do the things I do because I hate you. Now, oh, come on. The Apostle Paul is trying to get into them. He's trying to get them to see and to hear. Verse 12, he says, But what I do, I will also continue to do that I may cut off the opportunity for those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things which they boast. Well, let me break that down a little bit for you. I'm going to continue to do what I do no matter what they say. And those, if I don't continue to do it, it's just going to give them opportunity to come in and change all your minds. Because you've already allowed them in. It's obvious you're not going to defend the gospel. So I'm going to keep preaching it. Until you see clearly that this isn't Jesus that they're bringing to you. I'm going to use every opportunity I have to disturb what they're doing. Because you've regarded them. Just like you do me is what he's saying. This wasn't sarcasm. This was truth. Paul's fighting here. He's fighting not only for his own reputation, but for the life of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the church. He is fighting for us. He's trying to tell us, wake up and see what's happening around you. He said in verse 13, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. 
Be very careful with who you're listening to. Verse 14, it says, And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into the angel of light. Verse 15, Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into the ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Do you remember Jesus talking about There'll be those that will cry out to me, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We baptized in your name. We did all these amazing things in your name. And Jesus turned and said to him, I don't know you. That's who he's talking about. As these false preachers that are preaching things that were not the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was referring to Satan's ministers. Who have the appearance of righteousness through their great tolerance for every sin. All in the name of love. Because we know that God is love. Verse 14, or 16, I'm sorry, says, I say again, let no one think of me a fool. Think me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool that also I may boast a little. Verse 17, what I speak, I speak according to, not according to the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting. What's he saying? He's not doing this. He's not doing this because the Lord has told him to do it. Because we know that God doesn't boast, doesn't have to. He's going to speak what he calls foolishly out of his emotion. But he's boasting the truth. I brought the gospel to you and you received it. Verse 18. Seeing that many think, seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I will also boast. For you put up with fools gladly since you yourselves are wise. Now there's some sarcasm. You yourselves are so wise, you want to listen to this this preacher that comes in and turns everything around. Verse 20. For you put up with, for you put up with it if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. There were many things happening in this church. Granted, in our culture today, I would not get away with slapping any one of you in the face. I would go to jail for any reason. But in this culture, it was happening. These people were coming in and they were badly abusing the church. And the Apostle Paul had had all that he could take of it. He says, verse 21, For our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Now listen to these next few verses. I'm going to read them straight through and I'm I'm going to kind of rapid fire them. So Tyler, just keep up. He says, and they are Hebrews, so am I. And they are Israelites, so am I. And they are the seed of Abraham, so am I. Are they ministers of Christ? 
I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils among false brethren. In weakness and in toil, in sleepness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things that comes up upon me daily, my deep concern for the churches. Wow. I want you to feel his emotions. And he, wasn't, he didn't brag on anything that he did. He bragged on what he had went through. These were problems. These were difficult times. Every single one of them. Stoned to death. Beaten many times. Imprisoned often. Shipwrecked three times. He says, verse 29, Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. He's upset. Verse 30. If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. And that's what he just did. That's exactly what he just did. Verse 31, he says. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. If I could just get into Paul's head right here, I'd say he's probably saying, God, forgive me if you're mad at me for telling him the truth. Forgive me, God, because I'm not going to stand by and let liars come in and take the church away from you. It's not going to happen. I'm going to speak the truth. And I could just, I could feel his pain as he was doing it. Today, churches are changing, trying to become seeker-friendly, only preaching the fluff, trying to draw them in. The numbers are so important. The money is so important. But the gospel takes a back seat. Well, do you know you got a whole section over there in your church that are gay and lesbian? Yes, we love them. And so do we. But do you preach the truth to it? You can't go through this and not preach the truth. That it's a sin. Oh, but in our nation, they want to put a new term on it saying they're calling it. Uh, what is they calling the women's rights for abortion? Um, um, what is it? Yeah, it's a choice, but they put a fancy title on it. Uh, oh, women's right for reproduction. Their right for reproduction happens when they have intercourse. I'm sorry, we're adults. I can say it. And they're trying to push it down our throats that it's okay to abort all the children. And if there's anybody here that's had an abortion, I'm not. God loves you and he forgives you. But we can't go on this way. 
America is going down the tubes because we've allowed this liberal way of thinking. I didn't mean that political. I'm just talking about in the gospel. We're allowing things to come in to water it down. It's okay. We got we to gotta address this in love. Don't make them upset. It's all about love. And it is. I love you so much that I have to tell you the truth. And we can't go on without the truth. He said, where did I lift off? 31, 32. He says, in Damascus, the governor under Arteus, the king, was guarding the city of Damascus with a garrison desiring to arrest me. If you remember, that's way back when the Apostle Paul first got saved. You know, just after his amazing testimony of Christ meeting him on, the, on that road to Damascus. He says, but I was let down in a basket through a window in a wall and escaped from his hands. And you guys are wanting to listen to these slick back preachers that are coming in and bringing something in that's not the gospel. Paul goes on in chapter 12 to defend his life and his credentials. And I personally don't see what he's doing as bragging or boasting. He's sharing an incredible testimony. Why? Because I believe he is telling us to be very careful not to accept everything that our government hands down as acceptable. As Christians, we can stand and say no. Will we be persecuted for it? Probably. I don't know if it will be in my lifetime, but maybe. Persecution's coming on the church, and will we be able to stand? Do we know enough of the truth to say, no, no, that's not right. That's not the truth. That's not how our founding fathers set it up. There's precious pressures for us to give up the rights to raise our own kids. They don't want us to raise them up in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The government would gladly take that over for you. We'll raise your kids. Don't worry about it. We can't let that happen. Tony, would you come back up? This chapter gives us a lot to think about. And I feel like I'm really preaching to the choir. I know you and you know me. And we're not bringing anything false into the church. We're preaching the gospel straight up verse by verse. But we're receiving a warning here. And we see it happening in churches all across America. Even in our own denomination, critical race theory, intersectionality. Oh, those are fancy names, huh? In our church, we were created equal. I don't care what color you are. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, amen? We need to pay attention to what we're listening to and what you're doing and what you're bringing into your house. Well, pastor, it's just a little thing that, you know, this is what we learned over here and be careful what you bring into your home. 
Does it represent the cross? Does it represent your true faith and what you truly believe? Well, no, not really. Well, then get rid of it. It's as simple as that. Just get rid of it. And for those of you that are dealing with high-pitch emotions, take a deep breath. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit that resides within you to help you to calm it down. Take it down a notch. Because anything that you don't know that you're upset about and you truly don't know, that's an insinuation. What are you in, sin? Satan's throwing stuff at you that we don't even see coming, that I couldn't anticipate. And it's tougher on our younger folks. It, it's tougher on you. And I, I, I'm with you. This is a tough, tough world that we live in. So many things coming at us. I want you to feel the Apostle Paul's emotion in this. I wish that he was preaching it versus writing it. But in this case, they were reading a letter. And I think probably when some of them read the letter, they said, oh my, he's right. These guys are bringing in a false doctrine. Whatever it was, whatever it was, we don't have the privilege of knowing what that false doctrine was. I wish we did. But what do we have today? All kinds of false doctrines out there today. So many things. So let's pray.